Hello and welcome to the Impact Dynamics Podcast. I'm Plushy. I'm Rusty. We talk about military-grade hand sanitizer. And we also talk about why Andy's not here. Actually, no, stuff that guy. Let's talk about something more interesting. Let's go. Boom. <laughs> Match director, mate. Match director. <laughs> Hello, Andy. Oh. Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> Hope that's enough. We need your vote. Now we've caught up to where we are on the podcast. All right, go on back. Roll the outro. <laughs> All right, Plushy, we've got lots of things to explain. Andy's not here, mm-hmm. but you're not here, and I'm not here either. And Josh, Josh isn't here. Hi, Josh. But I'm not here. Why would I say hello? You just did. <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> uh, this is an episode we recorded a while ago. And we thought we'd put it in the bank and uh, and bring it out when we were doing. So um, I'm sure whoever's editing this will be able to say, sorry, guys, we've been moving. Sorry, guys, Andy's away and couldn't be bothered recording an episode. Sorry, our microphones blew up and we couldn't afford new ones. Sorry, uh, Josh died. Actually, that's <laughs> wow, things not. took a really <laughs> deep turn. <laughs> so for one of the above reasons. <laughs> I'm going to stop drinking. <laughs> Actually, no, maybe not. <laughs> In fact, oh, probably yeah. drink more. Might add to the story. Pass that uh, bottle. <laughs> the, for one of the above reasons, oh, this is going to be real bad if this if that actually plays out. Josh, you should like sleep on the couch tonight, all right? I think I will. Play it safe, buddy. <laughs> not this couch, though. That'll kill you. Um, uh, for one of these reasons, this episode was sort of, Oh, we're off to a killer start. Yeah. Bushy, oh, how are you? Killer start. Good work. Thanks. Thanks. That's why I podcast. I'm good oh, with words dear. and things. <laughs> Um, how are you? <laughs> keep him, keep him wrong, buddy. I'm not dead. I'm alive. Yeah, I'm turning 40, but I'm not quite dead. <laughs> you would have turned 40 ages ago, mate. That's right. Ages yeah, ago. yeah. Nearing your 42nd birthday? No, my 80th birthday, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you look like it. Um, Josh, how are you? I, I don't know. I don't know now. <laughs> I'm concerned. Can I check your pulse, buddy? Like, are you okay? <laughs> Right, well, I'm going to blame this gin that we bought. This gin came from uh, one of the guys who works here called Remy. He suggested this gin. Actually, he didn't. He suggested another one, but we bought this one as well. This one is called Mandarin Gimlet, and um, and it's uh, it's it's full on. Josh, it's strong. It's strong. Yeah. Uh, what are you drinking there, Plushy? Good question. Germ killer. Some Germ shifty lizard killer. seasonal double IPA black. No black. I can't read that. Double IPA. That could be gin yeah. straight. I think this, we've we've found the reason for the intro to this show so far. Anyway, we actually have some shooting related <laughs> questions. <laughs> probably, probably something to do with that. We'll talk about that later, and you, you can put that in your beard later. Sure. Um, let's uh, <laughs> committed to that. Nice, uh, Plushy. Thanks for joining us. You used to shoot. No, actually, before we get into that, sorry, I was just I was going to get on one train, but. We just to record another episode, and that was sort of went out around the same time. That was about Hilltop. So if you remember back to the episode about Hilltop and the shoot there, the Carla's King of the Hill, uh, you said there was a story about Andy. As soon as we stopped recording, you're like, oh, I should have told the story about Andy. So now, months on, tell the story about Andy. Oh. Tell the story about Andy. <clears throat> in- we'll beep out the parts that are inappropriate. Yeah, it's in, in, typical, in typical Andy fashion, Andy fashion, you know how he like cottons on to something and then he's like, oh. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah, I do a podcast yeah, yeah. with him actually. <laughs> so we Saturday night. He'd gone pretty well on the on the Saturday at Hilltop. Yeah, he'd only dropped a handful of points, maybe six or seven or something like that. So he's probably in the running. He's pretty at that happy. Stage. Yeah. yeah, doing well. Yeah, um, <laughs> I like, like you prefer to at that stage. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> things changed. Yeah. Anyway, carry, carry on. Um, yeah, so he was really happy. He's a Carlos sponsored shooter, all that sort of stuff. It's a Carlos sponsored match. He's like, yeah, putting on a good show for the sponsor. Yeah, yeah. And we were there, and we've been drinking CC and Dry. Um, Friday night and Saturday night. We'd had a few. Yep. They were giving it to us in, I don't even know what is in New South Wales, an imperial pint glass. Oh, so it was on tap, was it? Well, no. Uh. Oh, okay. Here we go. <laughs> so we're like, oh, Andy's going pretty well. We're going to have to mess with him here. So I'm like, <laughs> when he got some drinks and like, oh, that's a triple CC and dry bank. Just take it easy. He's like, huh, doesn't taste like it. <laughs> away and, and Josh went and got around. Like, another triple CC and dry. Yeah. It's like, oh, I want to shoot pretty well tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, you'll be fine, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went, yep. I think I went and got another round after that. I can't remember. You guys I think are generous I, guys. I think that was the espresso martini round or one of them. Yes. Um, he comes back and he's like, oh, I really don't think I can drink this. Like, Why? And he's like, well, I've got to try and shoot good tomorrow. And he's like, there's a lot of triples there. I'm like, when was the last time you got served a triple CC dry in an Imperial pint glass, Andy? What do you mean? It's on tap. <laughs> he's like, but what about last night? You're like, it's on tap last night too, Andy. 
like, ah, so how many have I had? I'm like, right. Two. <laughs> Some pie glasses. <laughs> Actually, I, I, was waiting for, I was waiting for him to ask, is there three taps? Like, <laughs> I remember this because I take issue with Andy because oh. he didn't buy his round of drinks. He did not. He, he cheaped didn't. out. He wussed out. Yeah. And he's not even here tonight. It was time for another espresso martini and he didn't get them. Although it's probably best that we didn't have any espresso martinis because we would not have slept that night. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway. All right, all right, all right. We've, we've told our Andy triple story. And, uh, and who, Andy, if you're watching this, which you probably aren't, but if you're watching this. You owe us drinks. Espresso martinis. That's right. Mm. All round. Yeah. Now, Plushy, your foray into Pyrrhus stemmed from F-Class. Ish. Kinda. You shot F-Class before Pyrrhus. Tell that's, me. Tell that's me a better more. way of putting it. Okay, yeah. great. So uh, I'm curious about about sort of some of those parallels, some of the skills that have come across. And, and I know you said you didn't shoot peer, uh, F-Class for that long, but you shot it and you went to some, some of the Queen's shoots and mm-hmm. that sort of gear. And you did all right from what I understand. So take us a back. Take, take, I, I, I got Italian very quickly there for a moment. <laughs> take us back to the beginning of your F-Class interest. What got you down that path? Um, <clears throat> good question. Um <laughs> I want to be a, <laughs> ask yourself why every day. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I still regret it. <laughs> no, um, carry no, on. I, uh, Can't no, be I that bad. You've brought us here. Sport you here. That's right. No, I, where did I get into it? Mm-hmm. I think at that point I had a twenty-two, and I had maybe a two-four-three, and I was looking to stretch it out and go a bit longer range, I guess. Okay. Yep. Um, and we'd seen that. Um, I can't remember. I'd seen it. Might have gone out for a, not a come and try day, but a bit of a come and try day for want of a better word. <laughs> yep, sure. <laughs> and had a bit of a look and was like, this seems interesting. These guys, I think they were shooting 900 metres or something like that that day. And mm-hmm. as you do, much the same we do at a PRS match, some, you know, some really generous people would be like, do you want to have a shot? Yeah. Like, oh, no, it's all right. You know, he's like, no, no, have a shot, have a shot. Tim yep. was Tim was the guy. Okay. Um, Shout out to Tim. That's right. Yeah, um, good stuff, mate, getting people in the sport. Yeah, and he's. Have a shot. And he's giving you some wing calls and he's like, you know, I wasn't new to shooting but, you know, I had a rough idea of what new I was doing. And yeah. yeah, and then you all of a sudden you put a couple of a couple of shots into a 10 ring or an X ring or something which is, you know, 900 metres, four and a half inches is an X ring. So it's pretty pretty sporty. Mm-hmm. You're like, mm, this is interesting. I think I can do this. And before you know it, I had a full custom um, F-class <laughs> rifle. <laughs> <laughs> that accelerated very quickly there, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> very quickly. Yeah, <clears throat> I have never even been around F class shooting. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, so if you've got if you've got any questions, you're welcome to ask. I will. You'll be yeah. next door to it because <clears throat> the Nardo range is next yeah, door yeah, to it. That's where I was about to go with that. Yeah, I, I, <clears throat> I heard your joke and I went around with it. Yeah, yeah. It's actually really good when the F class guys shoot next to our home range because they put their wind flags out, <laughs> and I, I know what their you wind flags. How. I know what their wind all right, flags. All right, so, so you, you've gone too far ahead. <laughs> so, so you, you you had a come and try day for lack of a better word. You did. A, yeah. You just went along and, and had a shot, and you were like, "Oh, this is interesting." Yeah. Because you're shooting targets long range. Absolutely. So yeah, where did it go from there? What was the next um, sort of step? Well, I think actually while I was getting my rifle built. Um, I think I actually found an old Omark, which if ah. anybody remembers One Shot Scott. Yes, we uh, do. Shout out, Scott. Shout out, <laughs> Scott, you're if you haven't well. seen. If, you yeah. haven't, if you're not familiar with One Shot Scott uh, from the PRS match, you uh, may be familiar from the Centurion Challenge. Oh, yes. Mm. So, yeah, an old um, Sportco rifle, single shot. Um, I managed to find one of those. Yep. Um, got it cheap in 308 and mm-hmm. shot a few matches while I was waiting for my rifle to be built. Yep. Um, didn't do too badly. <laughs> Think, <laughs> yeah. Think I, I think I might have won an OPM. I can. They call it a open medal, something like that. Like okay. a, like a regional, like state, regional, interclub sort of competition. Like one club will put on a competition, and ten other clubs will attend, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So <clears> there's the, yeah. the stakes are increasing a little bit. Yeah, that's right. I think I won a toaster and a set of steak knives or something like oh, that. Ripper. Yeah. Don't well, combine I those two. I want to go two. in a toaster. Yeah. Hang on, hang on. Don't put those two together. Is there a reason they get? <laughs> Knives <laughs> and a toaster. Well, wow, uh, it'd be worse if you get a bath and a toaster. There's not a lot of sponsorship in F class. Yeah, um, at the high levels there is, but at the you know the club. I'm not bagging not. steak, steak um, knives and toasters. By the way, I'm just. Well, I just. I it's think, an interesting combination to get together. I think Harris Gas may have sponsored the match. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. No worries. That's what I think Thanks, happen, Harris. Yeah. 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 Good. Um, uh, Carry on. Yeah. So, oh wait, Josh was going to say something. Can I jump in before no, we start? No, you cannot. Deep dive <laughs> Let's down F class. What can you give me? Like a thirty-second minute 
rundown of F class? Like, what what does it entail? Sure. What is okay. it? Um, that's a good. Well done, Josh. Yeah, let's, let's start with well that. Well done. I get it right once. So the, <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah. F class shot off of a let's call it a front rest. Could be a bipod. Not usually. Usually, it's some sort of um, rest or a sled if it's um, FTR. A few different classes. Mm-hmm. Rear bag, um, shot prone. Uh, you have uh, details. Generally, you'll have two siders um, that you don't have to keep. They're just siders. Or you can choose to you can choose to keep your score if you go well. And then you'll have ten scoring shots. Um, and generally, club match you'll quite often do two details. But a big match, like a, a big er match, an OPM, you might do six or eight details. And then going right up to a queens, you probably do or 20, 20, 25 sort of details um, over several days, and you, you bring in the the hunt, which is lead up match. You can you know you can be up to three hundred plus rounds, something like that. Yes, yeah, solid. Um, okay. Yeah, so you're shooting between usually between three hundred meters and a thousand meters. Yep. Um, the the mound, so the shooting position moves, not the targets. Mm-hmm. Um, so you move further back generally. Yep. Over the day, you start closer and usually work work backwards. Um, yeah, it's generally about accurate rifles and wing calls, the the two key things. Yep. Um, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to just, I guess, get that just a brief overview because, like, I'm, you know, from what I've seen and been aware of, it's, you know, you're just sort of laying down shooting targets. But I assume that there is there is a bit more involved. There's a bit yeah. more that goes with it. Than yeah, that. once you get into, your like, your F opens and stuff, let me say it, the X ring is usually, um, you know, 1,000 metres, X ring is 5 inches, mm-hmm. give or take. That's pretty small yeah. um, to keep all your shots in the X ring at 1,000 metres. You're doing pretty well if you put them all in there. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. So you you went to a OPB OPM. No, I just want to go with OPB. No. You know me. No. Okay. Okay. OPM. Right. <laughs> yeah. I went and shot a couple of those. Did okay. Mm-hmm. My um <clears throat> got my got my custom rifle like a Barnard single shot action, Craig barrel, all the cool thing, Nightfall scope, all yep. that sort of stuff. Um, probably one of the takeaways I I, I worked from there was um. All the guys, I'm like, what's everyone running? What works? What works well? Sure. Um, everyone was running a two eight four. Yep. Um, with one eighty hybrids, burger hybrids. I'm like, mm-hmm. run these twenty thou jump, do a ladder test, off you go. Yep. I'm like, cool. No need to be different. Um, <clears throat> they've got the wealth of experience where these other guys have been doing it for sure. years. Yeah. Um, I did that. So it's, it's quite a mature sport, isn't it? Is it or discipline? Yeah. It's quite. It's been it around a long time. There's a lot Correct. of guys who know a lot about it. Yeah, that's yeah, right. It's a reloading. It? It's a reloading game as well. Huge reloading game. Yes, um, sure. Yeah, we did that. Um, I remember. My, I still remember low dev. I'll probably never forget that. I did a ladder test <clears throat> without a chrono or anything like that, just purely for waterline at five hundred meters. Mm-hmm. Picked a picked a powder charge that looked pretty good, mm-hmm. and then I remember we had the um, they have a little spotting disc on the target, so it's a little square patch. It's about fifty millimeters square with a little dow through it, and yep. they mark your last shot. So when you shoot the target board. Um, target board goes down. There's a spotter in the butts. They put the little spotter in the um, in the hole. Then they score your target, and up they go. So you can see where your last shot was. So you can make a correction. And then you see your score and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So doing load dev, shot the first one, no worries. Came back up, shot the second one, came it down over the radio. They're like, oh, you hit the spotter with the dowel in the little <laughs> the, like six mil timber dowel in the spotter. Yep. This is at 500 meters. I'm like, oh, cool. They put it back up, tried it again. They're like, you hit the spotter again. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and put it this down. This is a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, and put, put it down. Up she comes. Fourth shot. Can you please stop shooting the spotter? <laughs> so put four shot, essentially four shots through the same hole at 500 oh, metres. Oh, wow. And I was like, well, I think this is load dev this done. This is so done. Load dev done in about 30 rounds. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if, when you were down in the butts, so um, for F class, uh, they moved to electronic targets now, so not so much the people have to be in the butts, but there used to be scorers sitting there with a – um, like a timber frame that would go up and they'd have to pull it down and um, score Mark it. Cool. Up, yeah, and I'm, up it goes. And when you hit the um, the spotter and the timber, de- the timber dow, it explodes. Um, it explodes and the people in the butts get covered with timber. <laughs> so it's, it's not pleasant. No, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I don't think I'll ever do that again. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but, yeah, it was an easy button um, as far as yep. just – Taking that information of what everybody else was running, mm-hmm. um, what what works in these projectiles, you don't need to be radically different. You're just making your life hard. Mm. 
And it worked. Shot that for quite a while. You see some guys coming in and trying to reinvent the wheel. Absolutely. Yeah. Thinking, oh, no, no, I'll show these guys how it's done. And how does that go? Usually not well. Okay. Exceptions? Um, No, there's exceptions. That's what Benchress is. You know, the old saying that if somebody won a Benchress match with a flag tied to their rifle, then the next week everyone (laughs) have a flag tied to their rifle. (laughs) I do know the saying, yes. Okay. Um, No, there's always exceptions. But as a whole. Especially when you haven't got that wealth of experience. I didn't have a ton of reloading experience and all that sort of stuff behind me when I started that. So mm-hmm. just going with what everybody knew worked was, was seemed like the sensible option. And you said that uh, that that if if class is a big game, reloading said so was one thing, and also wind calls. Mm-hmm. So what experience with wind calls have you had leading into them, into getting into that, and then what what and how did you learn that? Uh, experience, you hold about half a fox right when yeah. it's further away. And that's that's the experience with wind calls I had. Okay, great. Um, so they, they said, oh, here you go, use a ballistics app to yep. get you going. They said you won't need it for long, mm-hmm. but once you, you know, you write out a dope card and you're, okay, you know, four miles an hour does this at this distance and eight and ten and twelve and then, yep. then they'll teach you about the flags, what the flags mean. So the flags are um, not only do they tell you wind uh, direction, they also tell you the uh, wind speed. Because they're a certain weight, aren't they? And, they, and yeah. the wind has certain a certain shape and all that sort of stuff. Thing. Yep. Okay. So they, they give you some really good information. So you start to look for those types of things. Um, so you look, yeah, learn a basic ballistic app, but you get two sided, so it doesn't have to be perfect. A lot of guys weren't even running ballistic app, they just run on um, like dope data on previous engagement. They'd be like, okay, well, generally at 800 meters, I need six mils. Or no, they don't run mils, they run MOA. They need yep. 21 MOA or something like that. Yep. To get on target, and then they've got two shots to adjust. Yep. Um, so it's not first round impacts aren't required. Required, but if you happen to put one through the middle, um, claim it. Well, no, because then your second sider may or may not be good. So you wait till your second sider before you decide if you want to keep your siders. Oh, you can. So you can shoot two and then make the yep. call because you might shoot an X first up. <clears throat> But it's a lucky shot. A lucky shot and then you might drop, you know, you might shoot a four or something like that. So do you have to, so you shoot your two siders. Yep. Do you have to take both of them? Well, so if you, let's say you shot a, the the scoring depends, but uh, when I shot it, the six was the top score. Okay. Uh, Well, the highest number score. And then it was an X. So you had uh, 10 shots. You could have a 60 with 10 Xs was the perfect score. Okay. So if you shot an X and then you shot a four, you could go. No, I don't want to. I don't want to keep those. But if you shot an X and a six, you're like, yeah, I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep so those. So you and have to. You have to either keep both or none. Yes, that's you can't. Or no, you can keep your. You can keep your second sider. So, but you can't if, keep your first. That, if you if you want to keep, you can't just keep your first, drop your second, and go on to your third. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, so you may elect to keep some or none, and then there's you know there's tactics. You're looking at. You've got about. I can't remember now. It's been a while. Twelve minutes or something for your detail to get your. 12 shots to off. shoot you 12 shots. So sometimes you'd look up and you're like, okay, so this wind condition seems pretty constant. Mm-hmm. I'm going to shoot in this wind condition, hold center with no wind dialed on and get my get my um, wind call. You might look for another condition that it's like, okay, it's doing this, but it's gusting to this. So you'd sit there and wait for your wind, <clears throat> wind to gust. And then you're like, you'd same deal, hold center and see what your wind was doing. Now you've got two conditions that you know roughly what they're doing. So okay. you can... F class is generally waiting to your condition. The condition that you want to shoot on is happening. So you can shoot, let's say that the wind is really steady with an occasional gust. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't want to shoot on the occasional gust, do you? You want to shoot when the wind is steady. But, or another one is the wind is quite strong and you have an occasional let off. So you want to shoot on the strong wind, not the occasional let off. So you've got to pick your yep. pick your conditions to try, and, to try and get your 10 shots off. And do you sometimes like fire pretty rapidly? Be- yes. Because the wind, you know, if you're like, this yeah. wind is perfect, I'm just going to bang, 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 bang type thing. Yes, you can. So there's a couple of limits on that. Okay. Um, oh, because the targets have to drop and show you where your yes. cider is, don't so they? So you're, you're only as good as, as your target marker. Okay. And sometimes you you get a – generally the shooters uh, – shooters are generally good quick target markers because they understand it's nice to have a target in front of you, not no target in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but then sometimes you get a slow one or they're chatting. They get down there and they're talking away and then yeah. – over the radio, can you pull target six, please? And then it goes down and up it comes in. It's been a minute or something like that. Yeah. Okay. But yes, so <clears throat> you could rattle, you could wait for a condition um, and you could rattle your 10 shots off in two or three minutes. Okay. Um, generally, you can get comfortably, you can get two shots a minute. 
you can do three to four shots a minute if you've got a really good marker, but you're also hitting your barrel and your yeah. things like that. Okay. So you can be a little okay. bit careful. Yeah. So sometimes you could sit there. I've done it before. You might sit there for eight minutes. Yeah, this is not the condition I want to shoot in. Yeah. Um, or you've taken your two siders and the conditions just changed. You're like, you're sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting for the condition to come back. And then yeah. you're like, okay, I'm going to have to start shooting now because I'm the condition's not going to come back. So you're forced to essentially take another cider, mm. um, make a good wing call and off you go. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. And and do you have coaches in F-Class for <clears throat> wind? Or Depends on the match. Okay. All right. So you have a uh, like okay. a single a singles match mm-hmm. um, where it's all on you and then you have teams matches <clears throat> where you're, okay. you're the trigger puller and you have a coach. Um, that's giving you the wing call. And is that one coach that might be dealing with three or four shooters or is it like one-on-one? Uh, it depends. Okay. It can be both. Okay. So not that I've been to an F-Class World Championships, but I believe the system that the Australian team is running and they've been pretty successful. They've won, so I've heard, yeah. Yeah, they've won the last two World Championships back-to-back in mm-hmm. F-Open. Um, the, uh, the Americans said the first one was a fluke. And they were genuinely surprised, I think, when the the second one wasn't a fluke. Um, so they'll have a um, they have a head wind coach. Yep. Um, and then they'll they'll be looking purely at wind, and then they'll have uh, some sub coaches, I suppose, or assistant coaches. Okay. That are dealing with um, individual shooters. Right. Okay. And they're all talking on comms and stuff like that. And the yeah, head coaches okay. will be like, you know, shoot on this condition now. Yep. And then they'll be like, okay, do this, do that, do the assistant coaches. Breaking it down yeah, to that's the individual right. sort of yep. gun and set up. And Absolutely. Okay. Oh, so, so, yeah, they have a, a real range. Yeah, wow. Well, interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. So it's pretty easy, like new guys. Um, <laughs> I remember my wife coming out a few times and she'd get down behind the gun and you're like, all right, hold this, hold that. Yeah. And she'd lean over and like, this F-Class thing's pretty easy. I think I might give it a go. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I should yeah. be shooting better than you. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> just meant you're like, a better wind caller. Right. So uh, you can call your own wind now. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> and like crossfire, shooting on the target next door or something like that. And, hey, this is actually a bit harder than I thought. But, yeah, mm. you can – when your only job is pulling the trigger. Um, yep. You can do that well. You can do that well. Okay. Except when you think they made the wrong wind call. <laughs> oh, I bet that leads to some discussions. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's obviously it's a good way to to upskill. And, and you are generally regarded as a pretty good wind caller now in, in the PRS side of things. Uh, you're staring me blankly. You're not believing <laughs> me. From what I'm told, from what I understand what I've seen, that is that is true. And, and would you credit a fair bit of that at the time you spent in F-Class? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's the, because that's from what you indicated, like really a good gun and then you spend a lot of time reloading and doing that well, it really comes down to wind calling on the day. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So If, that's, if that's, you've done everything else right, it's a wind calling that, competition. Yes. Yeah, okay. As opposed <clears throat> to like PRS where that's an element of multiple things because you can be in a position that's not fun to shoot from or yep. problem solving, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, the, it's the main variable, I guess, on the day. As you said, like obviously you've got to reload well to get to that point point, have a gun set up well. Yep. A lot of planning and, and preparation for it and then on the day. Of course, you have to shoot well. We, we, you know, we're not skipping over that. You actually have to pull that trigger extremely consistently and well. Yep. But taking that, that that's your only thing to do there. Yeah, the wind side of things is, uh, is the, the big variable. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Sounds like I need to spend some time with you at the range. <sighs> you see how I shot on the weekend? <laughs> well, <laughs> Maybe that's not well, the best idea. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, it's, it's actually something I'd – um, I do pride myself usually. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm generally pretty good on a first round impact. Yeah. Um, not even necessarily a PRS match or something like that, but just in a, a property or something like that. Got a few funny stories about people sending lots and lots of rounds at a small target at distance, can't hit it, and get up there with something undersized caliber. And <clears throat> you're like, in call, elevation, bang, impact, <laughs> move to, back to what you're doing. And they're. Uh, <laughs> Still sending, they're, still going. they're still sending some very expensive still rounds at said small target, not hitting it. <laughs> I know who you're talking about, but uh, we won't have to uh, name names. <laughs> Josh just worked out who you're talking about as well. It is anyway. probably something that, like, genuinely, I, uh, next time I'm at the range and you're there, I probably will pick your brain about because, like, when conditions are, wet, like, you know, perfect, I, I'd like to think I, I'm generally pretty good to be able to hit stuff, but the moment wind comes into things, yeah, I'm just completely guessing and winging and hoping for the best rather than making an educated call going, all right, I think this is going to get me close. It's just 
yeah, maybe it'll hit. Yeah, you're at that level where when the wind's consistent and you've got a handle on it, we're like, I'm going to stop helping this guy soon. He's <laughs> <laughs> starting to get good. Yeah, not wrong. <laughs> Is there things you did apart from shooting that, that honed your wind calling ability? Is there anything you did outside of that? I keep meaning to take my Kestrel with me, like to work and stuff, and okay. then make a wind call um, and just go check it with the Kestrel and try and calibrate yourself. Keep meaning to do this. But I keep meaning to do it. I haven't done it. Okay. But I think that we were talking about this recently where um, we, we talk in miles per hour. Um, we generally, do generally in Paris, yeah. But we don't use miles per hour for anything in Australia. Well, not since the 1970s anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You're, so, I'm, but, I'm trying to think of the the, the, re, the thing that breaks your rule apart from uh, apart from shooting. Um, but you're right. Miles per hour is really just, the dominant. We just don't the use other it. One, and, and the other one that gets me is the guys who don't call miles per hour call him meters per second. Uh, this is where I'm going. So right here we go. Okay. So strap yourselves in, guys. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I've just built it up a lot. Literally. So um, do you know how I I think about it? I'm like I don't know what miles per hour is, but I remember my first car was the um, the speedo was in miles per hour. So I'm pretty good at converting miles per hour to k's per hour, so you don't get speeding fines, <laughs> or so you don't drive over really slowly. How many speeding fines did you well, get? Well, none because 30 miles an hour is 50 k's an hour. So you drive you 30 k's good enough hour. to go. <laughs> To go faster? No, it was a when 67 were, HR. It was, did not go anywhere quickly. Yeah, I was going to say, when you were, it wasn't 50 k's an hour you were worried about when you were growing up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because you're my age and that was a, 50 k's <laughs> an hour wasn't a thing then. Um, so I do this thing where I'm like, is that five miles an hour? And you're like, how fast is five miles an hour? And you're like, oh, that's eight kilometres per hour. I'm like, uh, how fast is, okay, somebody walks at five to six kilometres an hour. Okay, that's three miles per hour. Uh, you're doing all these calculations in your head and then you're like, you watch a puff of dust and you're like, meters per second, 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. Okay, that went 20 meters over three seconds. That's six meters a second. That's something I can work out by looking. Mm. Um, so that makes sense to me. And then I convert it back to miles per hour so I can put it in my Kestrel. You can't, can't do meters per second? In my Kestrel? Yeah. I could, but then I'm not talking the same miles per hour as everybody else. Mm. You've got to speak the same language. <laughs> is that much math involved? There is. You've start getting out. into wind formulas. Yeah. <laughs> Josh just pushed his microphone and he's left the room. Gone. Absolutely. <laughs> Wait, <he's> back <laughs> somehow. Um, yeah, okay. See, see, I always used wind formulas, which were based on miles per hour. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like, it's interesting how you got metres per second. That's 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 something I've never looked at, never considered. But I would um, purely go miles per hour and it was just a number. It was a number I would assign what I was visually seeing. So you see this much moving in these trees, that was – three to four or whatever it was. And then from the maths behind that, you would basically plug that number into a into a formula that you had you could at the point where you could do it in your head. Yep. And that would give you a hold here. Bang. Away we go. Uh there was not sort of that that conversion that done. You're just like, I know I don't understand moles per hour, but I do understand that that yeah. that what I'm what I'm visually seeing is this number. And so I, I did what you were talking about with the Kestrel. Yeah, you calibrated yourself. Correct. Yeah, yeah. and it was, it was – and the, one of the guys that I've seen, a guy called Will, who did it extremely well, had a Kestrel on him six, seven times a day, would pull the Kestrel out, hold it down, look and say seven, hold it up in the air with a thing off and, and look at it and be like, that was five. All right. And he would do that multiple times a day and get to the, to the point where he'd be like, uh, I think that's – Three, three and a half, pull it out, three and a half mm-hmm. every time. And he was calling wind and then he started practicing a distance. So one of the old, and I'm sure I've talked about this before, but I'll talk about it again because it's quite useful. And we found it really good is that we would go out in sort of two cars. We'd drive onto this property and one car would go one way, the other way, and we, we would be 400, 800, 1200, whatever metres apart. They were all, they were all additions of 400 it seems. But anyway, um, the, we would be a distance apart. We would get out of the car and we would arrange you know, so we got, had an understanding of the distance and then we would look at where the car was and the other car with the other, you know, the people who piled out the car and we would radio call them a check on the wind. Like say, we think it is eight mile an hour coming from this distance, uh, from this uh, uh, location. And they would then confirm in real time it was this. You know, they'd be watching the Kestrel as they were holding it mm-hmm. um, to do it and it was such a valuable uh, exercise because not only could you work out what the wind was where you were, you were having real time confirmation of downrange wind, 
Um, and of course we would do things to start messing with each other yeah. where you would like, you know, you would struggle to walk up the hill cause the wind was so strong as one mile an hour and, or you like <laughs> flick your hat up and it would just fly off and, you know, um, all, all these, all these sort of things that was, it was good fun, but, um, it was, you know, we would park in certain areas in little lows of the wind and you'd like, you know, you'd be like, oh, there's not, wind. you know, you look at our shirt or something like that. There's no wind going on, but. Just above us, where we were putting the kestrel, just above our head, it would be like twelve mile an hour, <laughs> and so things like that. They were really good exercise to actually train to be able to look at the the area, look at the terrain, read the terrain, knowing that oh, this dip here is going to slow down a bit, but this dip going with the wind going the other way is going to speed up, um, and being able to sort of yeah work out what that was. Yeah. So when you're making your, you know your wind calls, what what things are you looking for? Like, is it just in the trees? Like, what what are you gauging your wind calls? Of? Everything that everything. moves, everything that can give you a bit of data that you can try and reference back to something you understand. Yeah, yeah, I think plus you summed it up really well because you you're looking for something's familiar. Yeah, and you're looking for something. They're going okay that. They, I know these trees. I know these types of trees, and they move like this, and they move like this between five and eight mile an hour. Every time I've looked at that and it's looked like that, it's been five to mile an hour. Yeah. And then you, you, the, the better you get it, the more you compound that with, well, this terrain is going uphill. And so that wind is, is as it comes uphill, it's speeding up because there's less room for it. Down the bottom of the hill, there's a lot of room for it, but as it comes up, um, it's getting faster. And so across that crest, it's going to be going faster. And this is at the crest. I'm not looking at the, I'm looking at the wind of the crest, not just in the lead up to it. So it's going to be going a bit quicker. Yeah. And, and it's, it is, it is repetition. It is, um, it is doing that a lot. Yep. So you're really just, you're training yourself to be able to recognize and go, mm. all right, all these things just naturally happen in one hit that you get, all right, wind's coming up, he was doing this. Boom, that's what it is. And it's not dissimilar. Sorry, Plush, I keep cutting you off, but it's not dissimilar to what you were talking about in the F-Class world. Now, the F-Class guys use flags, but the flag is the same thing. You look at that flag, it does this. I know that that flag doing that is is six mile an hour because whether it's because you've witnessed it before or whether it's because you've been told that and that what you've been told is, is correct because these flags are a known entity. Yep. Um, by using flags, you know that it's a consistent marker. Whereas when you are just reading off terrain, terrain varies a lot. You go somewhere else and the the plants are different. You know, there's yep. different um, flora. And that responds, you know, you go somewhere like Oklahoma where the, the tree, you know, they're exposed to wind all the time. So you look at them and you're like, it doesn't look like there's a lot of wind out there. It's because these damn things are so strong that they can deal with wind, <laughs> yeah. right? Whereas we look at, you know, like a gum tree and you think that'd be, that thing would be, that sucker would be sideways in this wind. And so you like you make you know, I found this in Oklahoma, uh, where you look at the call and you're like, that is I think it's this. And you're like, it's like two to three times that because the the you know, the tree that you're looking at is so used to that wind that it's yeah. that, that it's uh, got more rigidity to it and it doesn't move. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. And there's a few other things you can you can use, like let somebody else shoot first. <laughs> <laughs> you're a smart, yeah. That's um, why you're a good shooter. Like so yeah. Not always, but it depends on the level of shooter. So you've got to make an informed decision. But mm -hmm. generally inexperienced shooters undervalue the wind. Mm -hmm. Generally. They, mm -hmm. They're not bold with their wind calls, usually. Yep. Josh. Um, this guy. <laughs> and then they'll make a correction and they don't make a big enough correction so you get a bit of feedback off the correction as well. Okay. Watch the dust of when the inexperienced shooters miss the target yep. or the puff of dust you get off when they impact the target, those sorts of things. Um in F class, same deal. You don't want to be the first person to take a shot. <laughs> or if you if you spot a flag doing something weird, mm -hmm. usually it's a good time to open the bolt, pull the pull the projectile back, and just wait. Just jump on your spotter, or even look through your scope and just have a look across the range and see which way all the spotters come up. Yeah. And more often than not, you'll find all the people that keep shooting get blown off the blown off the center. Mm, okay. the, you know, there's there's all sorts of data that you can use. It doesn't have to be even the trees moving or anything like that. Mm. There's lots of other things. Mm. Um, I know I'm I'm more careful, fussy, whatever you want to put it, when the wind is coming from straight on or straight Anal, on. I want to say yeah. more anal. Why not anal? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a TikTok out of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so if the wind is coming from in front or behind, <laughs> oh, oh, temptation dear. is there. Oh, Gonna press dear. that one again. Oh. <laughs> Righto. Don't know how it works in your house, but <laughs> um, 
so a small a small uh, flick either side of um, <laughs> top dead center, or oh, I'm not even going to say the rest. <laughs> so perfect time to take a break yep. and uh, <laughs> talk about our sponsor. Now, in the last episode mm. we recorded, I poured this into my beard, which is one of the products from the Bearded Chap. That was months uh, ago. That was ages ago. No, I'm surprised I remember. Your Plus beard she, looks amazing. Yeah, it after does. That. So you should yeah. do that. Pour that sucker into your beard, and then we'll tell everyone what you're actually putting into your beard. It is. Uh, <laughs> You've done a very good Home Alone impression there. Uh, this is hand sanitizer. <laughs> I can see your eyeballs poking out of your skull. Oh, don't forget. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, first up, I must say, uh, the bearded chap based in Queensland do not recommend you to put hand sanitizer in your beard. It is called hand sanitizer, not beard sanitizer. Just want to put that out there, uh, but this is uh, this is the way they uh, turned their business around. Actually, at the beginning of COVID, and they hired more staff when everyone else was laying people off. So, uh, Germ Killer, it's a, a really it's a high potent. Uh, you don't need much as past you. How potent is it? You're uh, crying with a capital P. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. With a capital potent. Um, this is uh, yeah. This is absolutely very solid uh, stuff. So while you're ordering all the amazing things for your beard that are actually meant to go into your beard and smell nice and good and treat you uh, with respect, uh, you can also pick up some hand sanitizer for your hands, Josh. I'm going to jump in here because I even got some beard stuff from the beard. Oh, you chap. did like, too. I, don't, I, know I yeah. don't have the proper full beard. No. But even just the just attempt, pop, just popping a little bit in the morning. Yeah. The rest of the day, you walk around with just just a nice little smell that lingers with you. It's and you know what that smell is not. What is that? It's mean? not hand sanitizer smell. No, it's not because I've read the bit and said hands, hands. So there's <laughs> these things. Does yeah. That, does that beard oil encourage growth? Have you got a couple of extra going on the side there? Oh, that's just laziness. Right. <laughs> uh, no, let's let's yeah, go well, with we'll, the first we'll part. We'll see how yep. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, you can support. <laughs> oh, she's squirting everywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. <laughs> that really went everywhere, didn't it? Far out. Okay. So you can support us by doing stupid segments like this, as well as uh, the, the bearded chap. Now, let me tell you that the bearded chap, Luke himself, is a shooter, so it's always good to support. Support? Support. I should stop drinking this. 80% ethanol. It's keen. Um, anyway, it's uh, that just went in my glass. <laughs> thebeardedchap.com slash impact if you want to support the show and support The Bearded Chap. It was a, a shoot-around business. We love it. Good. Now, you were talking about something in F-Class that we, uh, ah, we, we well, kept it's, going it's flicking the bean or something. <laughs> <laughs> and we took a break so we get away from all the dirty connotations. So you get straight right. into shooting sensibly. I mean, so talking This is sensibly. my serious face, right? This is a serious, serious face. Serious face, yeah. <laughs> Let me put some sanitizer um, on that too. I, I need want to wipe to go, tears no, out of my eyes. This is meant to be the, the, the good product. Oh, I've got oh, a label on. Like Teflon. Ooh, that was close. Look at it. I'm going I'm to get extra spin. <laughs> For those listening, right. it's not working. <laughs> I'm trying to spin. Nothing here I'm is trying working. to put this bottle back. So anyway, all right. This is such an exercise there for a podcast. Yeah. We'll just edit that so it right. looks perfect. So head Ta-da! on. Headwinds or tailwinds? Much better way of putting it. <laughs> headwinds, tailwinds. Far, I forgot you were talking about headwinds or tailwinds. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Far more Carry important on. than uh, left winds and right winds because okay. a small change either either way of centre mm-hmm. has a much larger effect. And when it's a headwind or a tailwind, than it does when it's full left or full right value. I have um I've actually seen in I believe it's the one of the PRS matchbooks. Yeah. A graph that has this, you and should, I'm going to put it. It's going to pop up on the screen right now. You should print it and laminate it and put it in your backpack for your your shooting backpack. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for some clarification on your statement made there because people listening or watching are gonna say, "Hey, plushy, you just said, and if they misheard you, perhaps they didn't pay attention to the nuance that a headwind or tailwind has more impact on your shooting than a full value either side, left or right." Correct. That's not what you said, right? But that's what it sounded like, and people are gonna be like, "Plushy, that's wrong." If you get a tailwind and it's a perfect tailwind. That doesn't really affect your shooting all that much, or if it's a perfect headwind. But let's just go back over what you actually said there, because I, I just want to clarify so that. A small variation from yes. centre, whether it be a headwind or a tailwind, has a very large effect on the wind component of your um, of your impact. Yeah. So for those, yeah, I just wanted to clarify that for those mystic, because they might have thought you said that a headwind or tailwind has the, the big impact. But what you're talking about is that, that those 90 degree winds, if those 90 degree, that 90 degree wind comes down to an 85 degree wind, it's only a small portion of what it was doing anyway. It can come down to a 70 degree wind yeah. and it doesn't make that much of a difference. But from, uh, from a, a zero degree wind to like a, 
a five degree or ten degree wind, that's actually putting some some impact on that bullet versus very little. I'm just very quickly trying to find a screenshot in my phone that is not going to be useful. Well, it's going to be very useful if I find it. Okay, good. Um, to give some, here we go. I got it. <clears throat> so, um, if you imagine a clock face, I can. Yep. Um, from a we're in a we're in twelve hour time, right? Sure. Just for everyone watching. Sure. Listening. Yeah. Yep. So zero hours on the 12 o'clock face. Yep. That's the one up. <laughs> That's the, the up. Uh, My clock doesn't say zero. So 12.30 right or 12.30 left on the clock yep. is one quarter uh, full wind value. Mm. So if you go to, now we're talking a right wind, 2.30 or 3.30 on the clock face is uh, 0.97 of full wind value. It's talking 3% versus 26%. It's a big difference. It's huge. It's a big difference. Huge. Yeah. Um, and then you go to uh, one o'clock on the clock face. Mm-hmm. So what's that, 30 degrees off center? Yep. Half wind That's value. Half, half yeah. wind value. See, people often think that that is uh, <laughs> that, that sort of three o'clock down to one o'clock, uh, down to what's that, 1.30 is half value there. It's 0.7. But it's not. Yes. It's not because it's we, we think about a clock face, but a clock face is incorrect because it's linear. It's not. It's not. Round, mm-hmm. it's not circular, and uh, but we use the. You're right there, Josh. I'm good. Did you drink the hand sanitizer? Or? <laughs> it was a wee bit stronger than I thought it'd be. <laughs> okay, his wee anyway, is stronger than I thought it would be. Sauce, yeah. Back to clocks. <laughs> um, but you, yeah, the, the, uh, uh, you throw me, Josh. But anyway, the, yeah. you, we're not. Well, carry not on because I was actually like listening to that. Oh, okay. So <laughs> the, learning things rather than rather than a clock. Yeah, rather than a clock face, which is an interesting way of doing it because you know we it's it gives you a sort of 360 radius to work with. Um, but the actual wind impact isn't isn't in that same sort of manner, the actual impact. It's not linear. No, yeah. not at all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, something to be aware of. I suggest you jump on a mm. website so and So the and fact that it has such an impact in that range um, there, is that due to how the bullet is um, twisting and moving downrange? As opposed uh, to the wind pushing probably. straight dead on, it's the way it twists on the angle that makes it move a bit more. So your your projectile, I could be way out. Okay, so you clarify a couple of things. Your projectile doesn't get pushed on by the wind, right? Your projectile is going to weather vane, right? So yep. weather vane always points in towards the wind. Yep. And because the projectile points into the wind, it sort of creates a larger bearing surface on one side, and therefore yep. has more effect and starts moving you know, sort of in line with what would feel like being pushed on by the wind. Yeah. But it's because of that weather vaning effect. Okay. And so um, because we, when you start having that small little wind as you come across, you know, just, just off, we, we, we've gone down a rabbit hole, haven't we? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, it's been a long time since I've discussed this stuff. <laughs> and now I'm starting to realise uh, why I used to talk about this stuff weekly and knew it extremely well and now it's been a long time. Yeah. But, yeah, as, as you come just off that sort of set of point, that actually, the impact is pretty serious. Yeah. As you go sort of further out to the 2, 3 o'clock, it's, not, it's, it's, a, it's a smaller percentage of it. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd take a 30 mile an hour right wind every day over a five mile an hour head on wind. Hmm. I get sw- I, slightly switching head on. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd probably take the five mile an hour because it's more comfortable to shoot in and it's probably easier to walk to the food truck and go and get a coffee and I'm less likely to spill my coffee. And, um, but you know, we have different priorities, Plushy. Yeah. That's we right. have different priorities and match. You want to win it, <laughs> I want to survive it. <laughs> I'm not worried about getting to the pub after. Yeah. <laughs> As I said, survive it. <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's my challenge. I, I guess it's interesting after because I, I heard that comment, I think it was between you and Steve Blacker, of, yeah, would would rather shoot in that constant sort of 90-degree wind rather than oh. that head-on sort of switchiness. Although yeah. it does make it easier for everybody else. So there's a bit of a mm. – um, mm. you don't, mm. don't necessarily wish for bad wind conditions, but – You take them. Sometimes. You've got an advantage. Well, you give it to me at my home range – Something weird and, and funky. Um, I'll take that over a, a constant wind condition all day because I'll, you know, you got more experience you know it. in it or yeah, something like course. that. I remember at the, um, when did we have a finale last? 2019. 2019, the finale. Well, it depends when this episode goes out. We may have had another finale well, maybe, in 2022. Yeah. Um, Unlikely though. There was a there was a stage at Monado. We had a fierce tailwind, a switching tailwind at Monado for the finale. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. Probably, oh, I can't remember, 12 or 16 miles an hour. It was like a good Indian <clears throat> curry the night before. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Big switching tailwind. <laughs> and we had a tripod stage. It was a troop line and mm-hmm. people were getting, you know, threes, fours and 
you know, fives maybe or something like that. And yeah. I jumped on and borrowed a tripod that I'd never used before because that's what you do at a match. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> jumped on and. Like when you borrow a scope that you've never used before at a match. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then jumped down and I, I think I got a nine out of ten and there was like clapping and everyone's like, like you've cleaned yeah. the stage. Yeah, you know, yeah. you've done really well. Good and job. Like, How did you do that? I'm like. I was shooting F class next door. <laughs> <laughs> Looked at the flags. Looked, Looked at the flags the, and flags. I went from there. Yeah. How did you decide what wing call to make on your first one? I'm like, I couldn't, so I aimed at the middle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, mate. So your your F class journey lasted a, a, a couple of years? A few years. Yeah, Two I was years. working fly and fly out, so it was always challenging. Okay. Be away for oh, – I didn't have consistent roster, so you'd come home, shoot a match, go away for three months or two months or whatever and yeah. come home and try and shoot a match and stuff like that. Was, and you shot a couple of sort of national level matches, is yeah. that right? Queens, yeah. yeah. Did, did all right? Did all right, I think. The first one I was I – won, I won one of the days, so they have like yeah. mini matches within the, dat, the, the matches. So the second day I won the um, – Top points for the day. Yep. I was well and truly in the running on the last day. And I can tell you that uh, it turns to pay your electronic hearing protection down. Oh. Because you can hear people talking in the background. And then I heard some things and then I was not concentrating on what I should have been concentrating on and yep. dropped some decent points on the on the last stage. And didn't, Do you didn't turn do your so earmuffs off for a PRS stage now? I've been having this thought lately after, what match was it? Mildura. Yep. Mildura went really, really well on the first day. Um, yeah, you did. And then the second day, it got in my head a little bit. Mm, um, okay. And I think part of that was people want to, and it's natural if you've gone real, people come up and talk to you and yeah, they're like, oh, you're going so well, like you could win. And my brain doesn't work like that. I need to focus on the next stage only and that's all I can focus on. If I think about something else, then it'll fall to pieces. Yeah. And I thought about after that match, I'm like, if I get in that situation again, mm. I'm absolutely going to double plug and turn my emails off. And just be in my own little space and someone comes up to talk to me, I'll be like, oh, come here. Batteries are flat. I don't know. Something. <laughs> I just told everyone what I'm going to do. It's great. <laughs> just just um, wear a shirt. I'm a selfish prick. I don't want to talk to you. The only person. But, but to be yeah. fair, like I, I get it. Like that makes sense actually. Yeah, the, the, the downside I guess to that is got to be able to hear the stage officer. Of course. have to. Safety. And it definitely helps if you're having trouble spotting your impacts. It definitely mm. helps to be able to hear the spotter calling impact. Yeah. Um, I got caught out. <laughs> um, the last match um, on a target thought I was I thought I was impacting um, I heard impact but the range was so tight yes that turns out I think the person next door or other way was calling impacts and I thought they were my impacts and I didn't adjust and then got up from the stage and thought I was impacting and then they said oh you got a 5 out of 10 I'm like no I cleaned that I'm like no, you didn't. I, <laughs> I remember this stage. Yeah, you got up so confidently of like, no, like I definitely hit everything. Yeah, and then I turned around to some of the other shooters who were on glass. I'm like, guys, I hit that, didn't I? And they're like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, ah, um, shit. No. Okay. <laughs> oh, right. take my five. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So you did all right in the F-class world. Um I wouldn't say a roaring success, but I held my own. Did okay. Yeah. Yeah, it did all right. Yeah, we, we, were, we had a very strong club that I was yep. part of. Yep. Um, they were of the F-class Open World Championship team. There was approaching sort of a third to a half of the members were from, the, club. from that club. Yeah, yeah very great. strong club. Okay. Yeah, and that helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. we see that with PRS at the moment. The Minato yeah. club is very strong. Is you know, producing some good shooters that are all competing against each other. And, you know, yeah, what's the phrase? Iron sharpens iron. Have I got that mm, right or wrong? Rising tide lifts all ships or something. I can't remember. Something. Iron, iron, rising iron lifts all boats. Yeah. yeah. I like something. What something. Are you, what are you old guys on about? Um, what would you say, Josh? I I just wouldn't okay, say so anything. Okay, so this, this is why we've moved on. Yeah, yeah we don't ask Josh's opinion. That's right. That's it. Um, is, isn't it your bedtime, Josh? <laughs> it is actually <laughs> way past. past. <laughs> That's right. A couple of more espresso martinis, you'll be gone. Uh, and so well. the um, uh, so yeah, you did you did did a ride in F class, and then what what did you immediately sort of bail to that to to PRS, or was there a transition period? I mean, I don't want to you know, sort of bag out sort of why people leave F class. It's not the point of it because obviously there's some real skill sets there, and for yeah, some people look, that's a really that's look, a big passion. Yeah, there's a couple of things. Um, I was living in. Mount Barker? Yeah, and the range I was going to was lower light. Okay. So it's a, it's a like fair an hike. hour and a half. Yeah, close to an hour and a half each way. Yeah. And the average club shoot was 24 shots on a Saturday afternoon. Sure. 
it was getting a little bit much for a Saturday afternoons yep. um, sort of work. And then – I mean 24 uh, shots really sets you back. It does, yeah. It's hard to drive home after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, a friend of mine invited me out to a PRI. Yep. And I think I came out and had a look and within not long I already had a – I bought a ticket to K1 and yep. – Night four scope and you know all the bits and pieces and then the F class rifle sat in the safe for three years. <laughs> so I eventually sold it because it didn't get used. Yep, but many of those skills you learned in F class were very useful in PRS. Yeah, when I when I first started doing PRS, couldn't hit a thing off a of barricade. Yep, um, but you put me down prone behind a rifle, hit everything, and I was hitting pretty much everything. I was keeping up with very good shooters. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they're definitely a transferable skill. Um, we had some of those guys that were, um, part of, or still part of the club. We used to shoot at F class, come out to the range and shoot a club match. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, yeah, they came out and then much the same, um, off of barricade, couldn't hit a thing. Um, and then you put a prone stage. Yeah. They're not just, they're not just hitting the target. They're hitting, you know, they're hitting center of the target. Good wing calls, that, that sort of stuff. Very mm. trans- transferable. Yep. Okay. Sure. Yeah, very um, good. Yeah. Brilliant. All right, very good. Well, there we go, a little bit of a, a deep dive into the F-Class world and also how it relates to PRS, which is what we predominantly talk about. But, you know, for those guys who have access to that or that's really interesting, they don't want to move around and run around and get all hot and flustered. They want to just sit there and p- perfect their wind calls. Uh, no doubt it's a good challenge. Yeah, I think now they've sort of realised that if they want to grow their sport or keep their sport going, Mm-hmm. They need to open up. So now they've introduced things like hunter class where you can yep. take a rifle on a bipod and, you know, you're competing against like-for-like like rifles, not a, you know, not an F open gun or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, some places are starting to allow muzzle brakes, yep. which has not been popular at uh, some of the <laughs> F class ranges, but they're, they're getting there. So yep. um, it's a it's something we can go do. There's a couple of ranges in South Australia that do a still challenge. Yeah, they do sort of a bit of a hybrid between, yeah. which is great to see. It's, yeah, that's it's right. Really so then. Um, those guys do really well. On the so stages. Some, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Maxwell, went up to one recently. He was the only guy from our club that went up to it. Oh, I forgot about. I think that he one. did third or something like that. But he said he, he paid mm. eighty bucks to shoot the match. Came home with one hundred and fifty dollars worth of wine and and cashews. That must be a Loxton match. He was he was very <laughs> happy with it. He was very happy with his weekend. Jeez, how many people shot the competition? Three. Like Maxwell can't shoot that one. <laughs> I think only two. He still came third. Anyway, that sounds like Maxwell. <laughs> uh, top bloke, Maxwell. Top bloke. No, I think he did all right. He yep. actually did all right. So, which is uh, which is good to see. So, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. That's a, that's I guess a, that's the type of club that's close by. You, there's still heaps you can learn from that. Yeah, that's right. There's no reason you can't take your you know your PRS gun and go shoot some um, F class matches. You're not yeah. you maybe not going to be competitive with the top guys, but it doesn't mean you can't learn the skills that yeah, they have. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, um, and then bring them back. There's there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Go learn about reloading or what they do. Yeah, those guys are uh, a bit like uh, BR shooters. They're yep. generally pushing the envelope. Yes, but those guys know what the the best best current tech, you know, all that sort of stuff is. <clears throat> Go learn from them. Absolutely. Easy plus here. All right, thanks for the deep dive into F-Class. Thanks for having me. Sort of slightly deep dive into F-Class. Uh, shallow dive. Let's shallow, shallow dive. dive. Yeah, we, we, uh, we sort of just like skimmed rocks across the top. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, Josh, um, off to bed with you, I guess. Yeah, to bedtime. I, yeah. le- I think I actually learned stuff today, which is good. Well, we can't do that. that that's often. a first for a podcast. <laughs> we'll, blow, blow, we'll blow Josh's mind. He usually can't understand what's being said. That's the issue. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we're out of here. See ya. Thanks. See ya. 